Now, I, I don't know if I preach or teach or shout or pray or prophesy what, but I, I have a word in my belly for you. This word will significantly impact your life from this very day for the rest of your life if you will hear it and receive it and walk in it. Did you hear what I said? I said, did you hear what I said? Anybody that wants to be irreversibly, undeniably, absolutely, eternally changed today, give both hands up and shout and wave and clap and make some Holy Ghost noise up in here. Up in here, come on now. Come on now, get ready. Get your spirit open. Ha! You may be seated. If you do not have a meet me at the altar book, they are in the ends of every pew. Grab one, pass it down, take a new one. You're gonna wanna take some notes. Get out your MacBook, get out your phone, get out your Bible that you write in. If you have a Bible that you don't write in, put it in a cabinet somewhere and get you one you write in. Get, get one of these books. If you have not filled out, and those of you online as well, all you need to do is click the button and you remember I'm an audience participation preacher. And what that means is I stop talking when you stop commenting and sharing. Let's have the most shares today we have ever had in the history of this ministry, and that depends on you. So don't, don't be a spectator now, be a participant. Get busy on that. Stop cooking breakfast, stop getting the sandwiches made for this afternoon. You need to get here if you can anyway for the food trucks but just hold where you are. Hold where you are and get ready and get your mind open and get your spirit open because what's about to happen in you is gonna be far, far, far greater than what happens to you. So don't get all in your emotions. Get in the Holy Ghost this morning and let God the Holy Spirit take the flaming finger of the Holy Ghost and engrave this word on the fleshly tablets of your heart the way he engraved those tablets of stone in the mountain for Moses. Is anybody ready to be branded today? Come on, you wanna be branded in the spirit today. So you, if you haven't, take that card on the back, tear it off, fill it out, and in a minute, when the offering container comes by, put it in there with a $10,000 check. You don't have 10, okay, a million dollar check. Just put it in there. And isn't it good that God has supplied our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus during COVID? We are still here, every bill is paid, every staff member has been paid, we haven't had to back up, and that's not only because of you here in the tabernacle, but all of you watching online, so thank you. Now, get that, here's what we're doing. In the dream team, now if you're not a member of the dream team, sorry about your luck, 
But I tell you, after this Sunday morning and next Sunday morning, there won't be a person listening to me right now that will not be compelled by the Holy Spirit to become a part of the dream team. I'm telling you that. You're gonna realize something about the altar you never knew this Sunday and next Sunday, and God is going to brand you with it. So you take that envelope and you put that card inside the envelope. If you're in the buildings here at Elkhart, you don't have to do that. But I want you to take several of these today. Now, if you're on the dream team, I got a, a very, very exciting prize for whoever, whoever gets the most of these filled out by their family and by their friends by next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning. So take stacks of them, give them the book, get it filled out, get them to consecrate with you, get them to make a commitment with you, and then bring it back next Sunday. All those of you online, get all your friends. We are believing God for 100,000 people who will meet me and meet God at the altar so that we can consecrate, so that we can repent, so that we can be revived, have a revival, and leading into a third great awakening. Nothing happens without prayer. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Anyway, get that, get it filled out. Open your, open your book to the very beginning page. Page number one. I'm gonna to begin today the third message on meet me at the altar. There will be at least one more. This is part three, meet me at the altar. The text is 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30. Elijah said to all the people, uh, all is all and all is all will ever be is all, and that's all there is to it. So write that on page one of your book, 1 Kings 18.30. You will remember that it was Elijah that called down fire from God upon the altar. That is our purpose, that is our plan, that is our directive from the Holy Spirit of God that we must get in position to call down the fire of God in this generation. It is that Elijah who said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people were obedient and came near to him. And Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken, torn down, and thrown down. This is the dilemma that the modern church finds itself in this morning. We are not only crossless, we are altarless. I'm gonna get somebody just a nod behind that mask. We are altarless. Altars have had significance throughout the entirety of human history. I've been looking on the internet because I'm in the market for more altars. I have three altars in my home right now. 
I want more altars. I really don't want to walk into any room in my home and not see an altar. You put an altar next to your 58 inch TV screen and I promise you, you'll guard your heart and your eyes and your ear gates of what you're allowing to come in. The altar is a reminder of the holiness of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the indwelling of God, the supremacy of God, the sovereignty of God, the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God, the omniscience of God. The altar is designed by God as that place. God is a God of people. He is a God of timing. He is a God of purpose. He is a God of season. He is a God of cycle. Are you in the building with me? and he is a God of places. You cannot receive from God at Beth Aven what he designed for you to receive from him at Bethel. Okay, you, I don't know. You got your mind on ponies, I think. As long as men have had a thought toward God, they have erected altars as memorials to the living God. An altar has traditionally been known as the place to offer. Here's why we don't have any anymore. Because I'm about to curse right up here in the modern church. Are you listening, preacher? Are you listening, backslider? Are you listening, lukewarm one? Are you listening, cold in heart? Are you listening, those of you who have not felt the twinge of God over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate invade your spirit, quicken your mind, heal your body? You haven't felt the touch of God since you can remember. When is the last time you alone at the altar of Almighty God felt the the warmth of tears streaming down your cheeks and dripping off onto your shirt. It's an indictment against the modern church that most have more food spilled on their shirt than tears. It's an indictment that we spend extra money to get holes cut in the knees of our jeans. The old folks used to have to put patches on their jeans. I've had a lot of them. Not because it was cool and chic, but because they spent so much time. My grandmother's apron had holes worn across the front where she knelt in prayer every morning of the rising sun and called down the fire of God. I'm attempting it. An altar. The place where we offer, here's why, circle it in your book. Here's why altars are disappearing. Here's why crosses have disappeared from the cityscape, the landscape of all, of all 
government buildings, of, of all public property and most private property. One reason, the cross is a place of sacrifice. It's too ugly for modern marketing schemes. It's too grotesque to look upon. It doesn't make good marketing for church growth, say some. So less startling images, less offensive and more beautiful things have been erected in their places in place of the cross and in place of the other place of sacrifice, the altar. You don't come to the altar to get to fall in the floor. You don't come to the altar and stand in haughty pride, upright for everybody to see you. Because everything in the kingdom of God is mutually exclusive, diametrically opposed to everything in the kingdom of darkness that you gloriously were delivered out of and into his marvelous light. Up is not up, up is down. God exalts the man or the woman who humble themselves. The altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar is the place of inward suffering. The altar is the place for thirsty people. The altar is the place for hungry people. The altar is the place where we recognize how small our insignificance is when it is compared to his majesty and glory. At the altar, we see him as he is and we see ourselves as we are. Hopeless, helpless, without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Jesus, my Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. We offer sacrifices to God at the altar. There we meet with him. There we worship him. Not in the show openly before the congregation, but in humility of heart, in contriteness of spirit. We lift up holy hands. We lift up holy hearts. We lift up holy heads before the living God and before his Christ who has redeemed us out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue here at the altar. Now, we seem to have no altars at all. And without the altar, 
we've lost hold on the presence of God. We've lost hold on the power of God. We've lost hold on revival. We've lost hold of burning hearts placed like fire upon the altar of God. He a consuming fire. He a fire from his loins up and his loins down. Where is your fire? Did you early this morning when the sun broke meridian horizon with saffron turned to silver and blue and red did you behold him? Have you seen him today whom your soul loves? Were you awakened in the night? Did you throw off the covers and take your head off the fluffy pillow? Where did you go? to the refrigerator or to the altar? That fire that only comes by the Holy Ghost and then leaps off of that altar which has been set ablaze by the encounter of God with a hungry seeking heart that ignites a wildfire that spreads throughout the body of Christ, your family, your neighborhood, and the world. That fire comes only from the altar. But we live in a very, very different generation, don't we? If you don't believe that, you ought to be attending another church. I said, we are in the middle of a perverse generation. Secular humanism has so invaded the pew and the pulpit that people pawn it off as the gospel. God didn't come to make you better. He came to make you new. He didn't come to make you a better version of yourself. He came to ignite you with holy fire that conforms you to the image of his own dear son by the power of the Holy Ghost. We live in an inexperienced generation. They are completely, utterly, entirely unfamiliar with an unmistakable move of God and a true revival. They've never experienced one. So I wonder 
if when we do pray it in, it will be recognized at all. Some are saying today, they're in revival. What does that mean? That means the music is loud into a quick meter. It means they line them up and knock them down like little bunny foo-foo hopping through a forest, scooping up the Meesey Mouse and bop them on the head. That's revival, they say. And then they go home and fill their psyche with the husk that the world does eat. Let's take it a step further. Ah, God. What are the characteristics of a true move of God? Oh, I remember. Some of you don't remember. I remember everything being called a revival. Some of you don't remember. We had a laughing revival. the souls ushered out of darkness and into light because we rolled around the floor in what was called holy laughter. Holy laughter was all about you. Holy laughter was not about him. We've had all kinds of revivals. So-called How strong, how mighty, not much. Many of the churches that were said to have had revival in the 90s have split four ways from Sunday. Men and women of God that can't get past their own egos to sustain the move of God. Everybody wanting the front seat, everybody wanting the front row, everybody wanting the accolades, everybody wanting their picture on the paper. What are the characteristics, the fruit of revival that has even greater exponential impact for a third great awakening? What are the distinctives of such a move of God. I believe we'll find them when I can convince enough people to meet me at the altar. Today, let's examine two. Very briefly, <clears throat> in great, great brevity, I want you to come with me to the altar of service and incense. Sacrifice and incense. The altars of service and devotion. Uh, let us begin with devotion. 
Everybody will love this because most people have torn this book out of their Bible. The book of Leviticus, the book of laws. Where there is no law, there is anarchy. There is confusion. There is every evil work. Where there is no order, there is chaos. So don't please, dear brother and sister, tear the book of Leviticus out of your Bible. In the Old Testament, the new is concealed, but in the new, the old is revealed. Leviticus chapter six, verses 12 and 13, the fire on the altar, oh, oh, please underline it, shall be kept burning. It shall never go out. Are you tending the altar? Or are you fluffing around in the cold, smokeless, dry, Embers of yesterday's sacrifice. The altar must always be burning. The words of ancient Samuel, ere the light go out in the house of God. The priest had two functions. Make sure the light is burning and make sure the fire on the altar never goes out. How is the fire in the altar of your life. Do you have to come in week after week? Do you have to watch week after week and get a little something going on on the platform and the preacher be anointed and superpowered because you are not? Do we have to once again stir the coals on the altar of your heart and try to fan the flame strong enough while you sit idly by and expect us to create the fire that draws the presence of God in your own life? This thing's not coming from the ministry. It's coming from the pew. It's not coming from me. It's coming from you. This is not a place to stir or fan the cold embers which you have not tended for months. Oh, I'm about to change you. (laughs) 
The priest shall feed it with wood. When? Is it up there? I, I thought you had a Bible, but I see no one on the front row has one. Is there something wrong with y'all? Find a Bible. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I just came in today to hear something and take up time before we get to the ponies. But when they say you have cancer and have to die and cannot live, guess what's the first number you're gonna call? Let's grow up. Can we just go, don't you want to become full grown? Aren't you weary with having a 20 year old relationship with Christ and still running around in a diaper with a bottle? Hmm. I'm trying to get through the text. Hmm. Well, it says right there, Pastor, that it's the priest that is supposed to take care of it. Uh-huh. And you're what? You're a what? What's, what kind of dog does Megan have? What are you, a labradoodle? You wanna know what's wrong with America? No fathers in the home. That's what's wrong with America. Trace every ill to that one transgression. Sir, you are the prophet of your home. It is your responsibility and not the pulpits to bring the word of God to your family. Sir, it is your responsibility not to throw three wadded up $20 bills a week at your children through some post office box somewhere. You are the priest of your home. It is your responsibility to tend the altar in your home, to keep the fire of God burning in your home. If you would spend half the amount of time bringing God to your children and your children to God that you do running them back and forth to Little League this and Super Bowl that and, oh, it's quiet up in here. Oh, we want the power of God. No, we don't. Did you bring the wood to the altar of your family this week? Where was that time? You said, come on family, time for the altar. 
Well, I don't have a man in my home. Then unfortunately, you have to assume that responsibility and there ought to be men of God enough in a great congregation like this to help every one of you. Ah, I don't have time. Here's where I'm trying to get you to today. We must feed the altar. This is so important. Every morning. Not at night before you go to bed. Every morning. Think for a moment. What did you do yesterday morning? Hold on, honey, I work alone. I just, I'm not, here you go again. Well, he's condemning us. I'm convicting you. And it's the goodness of God that leads to that conviction because it leads to repentance. Your family getting off crack will cost you. Well, I mean, I came to church. You are the church. This is just a building. I could take the pews out of here and set up a ring and have a rodeo. But what about your home? Where is the holy place in your home? Where's the place of sacrifice and contrition? Where is that place of consecration and devotion. Every morning, the priest was to arrange the burnt offering on it and he shall burn the fat of the peace offering. Verse 13, a perpetual fire, perpetual fire, perpetual fire shall be kept burning on the altar. It shall never go out. This first altar is the altar of burnt sacrifice. Ha! Huh? Something is supposed to die there. What died this morning? What died Friday morning? What died Tuesday morning? Where is the sacrifice? There is no need for fire unless there is a sacrifice. It was in the outer court. Note this, note this. It was in the outer court. It was, it was there that the animal sacrifices were made. I have been to many, many tabernacles recreated 
and I love to go there. I love to go where the burnt offering was made every single morning as the sun began to break through. I have seen its four horns and I am reminded that he became the ultimate sacrifice, that he was wounded there for my transgressions, that he was bruised there for my iniquities, that the chastisement of my peace was laid upon him and that by and with his stripes, I was and am healed, spirit, soul, body. But, 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 but. Did you make it to the altar? My, my sacrifice is there. Is yours? Or do you expect me to make yours for you? What happened to seek out your own salvation in fear and trembling before God? The scripture continues every morning and evening, the fire was kept ready to receive the sacrifice. Did you ever wonder why your Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people? He doesn't inhabit every praise. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, Jesus. That's not what he inhabits. But he does inhabit the praise of his people. The Hebrew writer said it this way, come, let us offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name as a sacrifice. Anyone can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. Anyone can praise in here with the incomparable Dr. Wendell Lowe and Harvest Music Live and Pastor Chris singing heaven down. But where is your praise in the middle of the day? Where is your praise when first roll open the blinds of your eyes and light invades? Exodus 30, the sacrifice of incense. Also, you must make an altar, two altars, for the burning of incense. You must make it of acacia wood. You must put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Did you meet him this morning? I don't have time. I had a dream team meeting at 
and you were at work every day this week at eight. Do you serve God or man? God only asks for one day. He gives you six. God will meet with you. How long has it been? Since you really knew God was personally present with you. Aaron, the priest, must burn sweet incense on it every morning when he trims the lamps. He must burn incense, and when Aaron lights the lamps at sundown, he must burn incense on it. It is to be a perpetual incense. And he says, you'll keep it before the Lord burning in all your generations. Have you trained your children about the altar? Or is that Kid Harvest Clubhouse responsibility? Perhaps it's Harvest Preparatory School's responsibility. Perhaps it's the preacher's responsibility. You must offer no strange incense. Would you give me an hour right there? I become so weary with so-called Christian singers and musicians who gyrate on a platform no different than they would at the corner nightclub. No strange incense. Jesus, this is Jimmy. Let me tell you what I want you to give me. How much of your prayer life centers around what you need God to do for you? And how much of it centers around God anointing you to do for him and for someone else? You see, we must never allow the altar of sacrifice, which is the altar of service, to overshadow the altar of incense, which is the altar of worship. Have you become so busy with being busy? Thank God you come to church. Thank God you're an usher. Thank God you sing in the choir when we're allowed to have one. Thank God you are in the front line. Thank God you go to Bible school. Thank God you work at the ministry and get paid for doing so. And then expect everybody else in your department to volunteer but you. Sorry. Just scoot your toes under the pew a little bit. I'll try to stay off of them. But there are those of us who at times become tempted to be so busy serving. These altars are 
are represented in Mary and Martha. One of them running out to serve, the other sitting back in preparation. Both important, neither of them outweighing the other. But why, why do we busy ourselves serving tables and have no time for the altar of presence and incense? We're not fit to serve the people We're not fit to speak to the people of him until at the altar we have spoken to him about them. Boy, this won't make you run the aisle, but you will grow thereby. No strange incense on it, nor burnt sacrifice. Did you get it? Burnt sacrifice is for the first altar. Not for this altar. Nor any grain offering. You must not pour out a drink offering on it. This one was not outside. Are you getting the picture? This was not outside. This is not what you do outwardly. As is the first altar. This is what happens inside you. (laughs) Uh, It's in the holy place. This is not in the outer court. This is just This is just before the veil opens into the holy of holies, the Shekinah glory of God. When you're here, you're right there. You're on the threshold. Just one more step. And his glory will overwhelm you. And you will never question again, is he real? He will become more real than the digits at the end of your extended arm. He's real, he's real. Oh, I know he's real. I was with him this morning. It had only one purpose, to burn incense. And not any incense, a specifically commanded incense ordered by God himself. Is it up there? Yeah, next verse. Nothing else, anything offered other than that incense was considered strange. And I can tell you, there's a whole lot of strange stuff getting put on that altar. It's strange. God recoils. It's unholy. It's not born of sacrifice. It's born of showmanship. Incense burned every morning and every evening. Now each one of these altars is distinct in their purpose. Outside, 
our outward works of service. Inside, the posture of our hearts. No, 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 no. Both of these altars must burn every day in the morning. Every morning. The Old Testament altars are types and shadows of what we have become, living, breathing, arts of the covenant. They are indispensable and must be used every day by anyone who claims they're born again. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. There is no more tabernacle, there is temple. Ah. And we have become God's personal manifestation to the world around us. Every believer must have and must maintain both of these altars, the altar of sacrifice and the altar of devotion. The New York Times said this about a man of history that if you do not know and have not read, I challenge you today to get everything he ever wrote and read it until your eyes are blurry. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said this, the New York Times said of him, it would be impossible to overstate Dietrich Bonhoeffer's importance now this is the New York Times. As a disciple of Christ, a moral leader, Bonhoeffer said this, get it, the Old Testament day. Now these folks over here, Pastor Sean Sams, we call him Rabbi Sean. Now he will tell you that this is true. The Old Testament day began at evening with the setting of the sun. And then it continued until the next evening at the setting of the sun. But the New Testament day does not begin at the evening, but rather in the morning. <laughs> the morning is the time of expectancy. Amen. The morning is not the moment of sleep and rest and slumber and darkness and anxiety. The morning, it's the time of fulfillment. It's the time of resurrection. Why are you missing the morning? Do you love sleep? Are you tired? You're so busy. You've got so much to do. 
studies and rehearsals and practice and classes and work. And you're doing it all for him. But you've only got one altar burning. He doesn't want what you do. He wants you. It was, it was at night that Christ was born. (laughs) But it was at the dawning that he left an empty tomb. At noonday on that cross, the world turned black as midnight. At noonday, he was changing everything. All the types and shadows that led to him, he fulfilled and then multiplied in power and resonance for you and for me. Mm. It was dark when he became the Lamb of God sacrificed on that rugged, mean, angry, biting beam where he suffered and died. But just before the dawn, it was Easter. In the morning, he rose in victory. And so should you. Victory over death in the morning. Victory over hell in the morning. Victory over sin in the morning. Victory over suffering, dying, sighing, crying. Hold on my child, joy comes in the morning. So saying the church of Martin Luther's Great Reformation. Hear the word. Christ is the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness, risen upon the expectant congregation. Did you expect him this morning before your coffee? Did you expect him this morning before your food? Did you expect him this morning before laying out your clothes? Did you expect him before you had to get to dream team meeting? Did you expect him before you ever got to the building? The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of your miracle. Malachi 4.2, they that love him, is that you? Wave your hand if that's you, if you love him. They will be as the sun when it goes forth in its might. Is that the way you leave your house every morning? Oh God, oh God, I've gone too long, eh? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I want you to rise up every morning. 
Oh, I want you to go forth in the strength of his might. Oh, I want you to go forth with his light radiating. Instead of still walking in the darkness and the slumber and the apathy and the stillness and the sedentary manner with which you drag yourself out of your house even to go do the work of the Lord. Am I getting through to anybody? Time is it? It is. I have to say this. I have to say this. And I've got three minutes to say it. Jesus, Jesus, help me now. Mm, mm, mm. Judges chapter 5 and verse 31. Be as the sun when it goes forth in its might. The early morning belongs to the church of the risen Christ. At the break and light of every morning, we must find our way to the altar. Remember, the morning when death and sin lay as vanquished foes, prostrate in defeat, At the dawn of that glorious morning, new life, salvation, hope, healing, joy, peace, resurrection became available and that great grace that belongs to all who are born again. Friend, we must learn again something of the praise, something of the adoration that is due our glorious triune God at the break of every day. God, our Father and Creator, who preserved our lives through the darkness of another troubled night and awakened us to the brightness of a brand new day. God, the Son and Savior, who conquered death, hell, and the grave for you and for me, dwells with us as our triumphant, victorious King, God. God, the Holy Spirit, who pours the revelation of God's infallible and unfailing word deep into our hearts at the dawn of every morning, driving back the darkness, driving back the devils, dispensing all sin and sickness and teaching us to pray with words that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Then, and only then, we will begin to experience that overwhelming joy, that unrivaled grandeur of the joy that is born when the dark night is past and the church of the living Christ 
dwells together in unity, coming together at my house, at your house, early, early in the morning to the altar with holy hearts and heads and hands uplifted in praise, in devotion to the only true and living God. And then we must add hearing the Word, the living Word, the life-giving Word, and then in praying, the prayer of agreement. The greatest number of people focused on the smallest priority yields the greatest results every morning. I will shock you now. The morning does not belong to you. It does not belong to the individual. The morning belongs to the church of the risen Christ. Locally, globally, every promise, every possession of God himself in the morning is his gift to the Christian family. We must sing together at the break of every day. The scriptures are clear. Our first thought, our first words every bright and shining morning must belong to God and to Him alone. Psalm 5-3, my voice shall you hear in the morning, Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer to you. Psalm 57, 6 and 8. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, psaltery. Awake, harp. I myself will awaken early. We must pray. We must sing. We must have his word at the dawn of every single new and shining day that every one of us will be thirsty when we awaken, yearning for the holy presence of the God who sustains us. Psalm 63, one, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs not for a McDonald's sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. My flesh longs for you now in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. The wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon tells us that we must prevent, hold back the sun so that we may give thanks and at the day spring 
pray to you, Proverbs 16, 28. Ecclesiastes says to every Bible student, specifically, especially to you, that God, that, that the student must give his heart to resort early to the Lord that made him and pray before the Most High. Ecclesiastes 39.5. Psalm says that the morning hour is the time of God's special help for the city of God. It is said that in the morning, God will help the city. Again, God's mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3.23. I challenge you. Guard the morning. Can you hear me now? Guard your morning. The beginning of every day, guard it. Never, ever, ever allow the morning to be burdened and oppressed by thoughts and words of concern about what may be coming. At the threshold of every new morning, at the threshold of every new morning, stands the Lord who made it. All the darkness, all the distractions, the dark, dark night, retreat and flee before the clear and brilliant light of Jesus Christ, awakening his world. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will, I will rejoice and be glad. All the unrest, all the impurity, all the anxiety, all the care must flee before his holy and tangible presence at the beginning of the day. Don't let anything that would draw your attention away from him alone, let it be rebuked, let it be silenced, and let every thought and every word belong to him that holds the rest of your day in the palm of his hands. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Ephesians 5, 14, awake you that sleep, arise from the dead and let Christ give you light. Fanny Crosby wrote a beautiful, beautiful hymn. I sang it in my youth. I sing it still. I remember as an eight-year-old boy sweeping the garage because I had to do something for my 50 cent allowance. It wasn't just handed to me because I was breathing. 
And I remember singing, draw me near, nearer, blessed Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice. And it told your love to me. And I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer, drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate, consecrate, consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before your throne I spend when I kneel in prayer. And with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. There are depths of love that I may not know till I cross that narrow sea There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please, in reverence, respect to the Holy Spirit. I can't leave this message without asking you to make a commitment to come to the altar of incense, to come to the altar of devotion every morning, beginning tomorrow. Isn't it perfect that your body clock will get up an hour early tomorrow? I'm not asking for an hour. Give him 15 minutes. Go somewhere alone before you utter anything else. Sing him a song. Read Proverbs in the morning for wisdom, Psalms at night for peace. Receive the bread and the cup. Consecrate your day to him and pray the prayer of unity. Pray for one another and rise from that place ready to meet the day where everything you do will be found in service to him. Will you make that commitment beginning tomorrow? When I say three, here I want you to raise your hand in an L card online. I just want you to type the word yes. Will you consecrate 
15 minutes for a song, for the word, and for prayer and communion. Every morning, the very first thing. If you will, when I say three, type yes or raise your hand. Do it now, one, two, three. Raise it up. Your life will never, ever be the same. Now this is not time for family community. This is not time, this is time for you. You're not gonna go to heaven based on your wife or husband's relationship. And your children aren't going based on yours. Amen. Father, you see these hands, you see these hearts. We're gonna meet you tomorrow morning. <laughs> We're gonna burn incense every day. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I wanna invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.